What's up, players? Welcome to another episode of Ready Press Play, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Uh, this is a special episode. This is our episode number 103. We are pre-recording this halfway through December right now. It's December 14th when we're recording it. Uh, but this should be going up live on New Year's Eve, uh, you know, the day before New Year's Day, uh, December 31st, 2021. So Louis and I, we have this thing where we can't miss a week of the podcast. You know, we never leave you without our content. If you're a big Ready Press Play fan, you know you can always count on us hitting your podcast feeds every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, and so for these uh, scenarios where we're going to be away for a while, we always do these uh, pre-recorded episodes. And that means that we're not going to be covering the news. We're not going to be covering new releases. We're just going to be talking about whatever. Uh, we got a few topics in mind that we might be talking about. Maybe some games we're playing. Maybe some general thoughts about some things that happened recently or this year or whatever uh and we wish you all uh, a happy new year uh so of course i'm joined as always by my co-host mr lewis Minchaka. you know dan last year we were we uploaded our episodes on christmas day and new year's day and oh, this yeah. year is no different because the video versions of the podcast will drop on christmas day and new year's day so. oh interesting does that mean that um the next year i don't i actually don't know if it works that way i don't think it works that way but I would wonder if next year, then that would mean that we're two days earlier than no, two days before Christmas, two days before New Year's. Um, I think so. And I, and I, um, yeah, it would go that for like four years in a row. And then we hit the year where we got the, you leap, know, year. the, the leap year or whatever. And then I think it, it changes it up. Um, I'm not sure if that makes any sense. I'm not a calendarician or either way. <laughs> whatever. Either way, let me just say this real quick. But that um, level uh, uh, level one gaming, like the actual website is going on holiday break. Like they actually right. announced it on the Double XP podcast. They will not be doing any shows, any podcasts, and they may have pre-recorded like uploads. Like I've already been on the their YouTube channel. I can see on their back end. They already have stuff scheduled out, but it's already been recorded and edited and uploaded already. So they right. have stuff gonna go up, but it's gonna be like five minute like little opinion videos. So mm-hmm. we're the only podcast that's actually gonna be going up and staying up <laughs> and uploading and stuff like that. And on Christmas, so mind you, you know. So yeah, I wonder yeah. how many people are actually gonna gonna watch us um, at all. Or if people are going to yeah. be busy with their Christmas celebrations and stuff. I don't know. Maybe we're talking to nobody right now, but maybe we're talking to you. You <laughs> like who's Flames watching are, right Flames are, now. you're in the chat. I know. Hello, Flamesir. <laughs> I can see you. You know, I see you. Yeah. You were there for episode hey, 100. What, what if we recorded this pretending that we were doing it live? Like, hey, what's up? How's it going? You know, ty- <laughs> type in the chat. We're going to read your uh, messages here. You know, I think on YouTube, you can do like the, the super chat thing where you put in like a few bucks and then you send your message. Can we, like, show up, you like, know what I could do is like, I could just program like some kind of like, like a video thing where like a uh, fake chats come up and we, we, you know, read them out and stuff like that. <laughs> like I can do like some loops and stuff and like, oh, you know, yeah. act like Perfect. we're interacting with people. <laughs> you got the whole plan sorted out. Um, well, you know, I hope this is not the first episode of Ready Press Play that you're listening to because this is nothing like re- what Ready Press Play is typically like. Uh, so if it is, go back a few a few weeks and then listen to some old episodes or whatever. Or maybe just wait, you know. Uh, this is 103, which means we'll be back next week with episode 104 on, I believe, January 6th. Uh, or 7th, our, something like that. Yeah. yeah one of that would be our next regular episode with news and, and, and the kinds of things that we typically do. Uh, do you think we're going to have any big news, Louis, between now... December 14th, and when we come back, January 6th. So historical data says no, because almost the entire games industry like goes on like, you know, shutdown mode, holiday mode. Yeah. There's no news. And every YouTube channel that I follow that's gaming related, they usually do like, oh, here are the biggest news stories of the year kind of shit, like recaps and stuff, just to fill the content kind of stuff. Yeah, so I don't think yeah. so. I think we were, we're just going to be in for another quiet holiday 
uh, season mm. where it's like there's no no announcements, no one's no one's doing media and like no one's doing press junkets. IGN closes down, you know, like everyone's like you know with their with their families and stuff like that as they should be. So yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, so in the point in time that Louis and I are at right now, uh, we just recently watched the Game Awards a few days ago, and uh, a lot of a lot of news and announcements and and premieres and whatever kind of thing came, came out then, and we already talked about that in episode 101 which you already listened to at this point hopefully <laughs> uh nice. but here's the thing i was thinking about louis um so on episode 101 uh we got we got more you know in detail about what we thought about the new announcements you know our favorite announcements or the things we're excited about and what we thought of the awards who won or prediction game and, and and all that stuff right uh mm-hmm. but i kind of wanted to ask maybe like in, in kind of broader terms without going into like detail like what do you think of the game awards as a whole like what do you think like where the show is at now versus where it was like a few years ago, and where do you think it's going? Do you like the trajectory that this show is going through? Because I I think it's been interesting to observe like the way people have responded to the show online uh, over the uh, years. I've always been of the opinion that the Game Awards, like I think I realized maybe three years ago or something like that, like it's not really called the Game Awards. It's really supposed to be called Video Game Commercials featuring Game Awards. Yeah, is the way I see it. Um, they don't really like do uh, a lot of like service to like the winners and the stuff like that. Like they sort of just rush them off the stage. Like, you know, like the matrix had way more time to talk to the audience than like the game of the year winner, you know, right. being like, I got a couple of seconds. Let me say thanks and peace. You know, like, yeah, like there's no, like, there's never really going to be like a, an acceptance speech that like people talk about other than right. like, like the, like the one off I can think of is like my dragon cancer, like, because that was so emotional and moving and stuff like that. But other than that, like, there hasn't been a Games for Impact Award winner that just, like, you know, drops the mic. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah. And the interesting thing is that they do the thing where they, they rattle off a bunch of awards quickly, right? Yes. And uh, you just kind of assume that a lot of those are, are the pro- the people that would receive them are probably not even there. Um, I would like to believe that they at least have some level of selectiveness with that um, so that they're not just, like, you know, going into a situation where they give somebody an award and they're not there to receive it. Um, for instance, esports athlete. Remember, like, a couple of years ago, Sonic Fox was, like, you know, he had that yeah. big, crazy acceptance speech, like, they let a black gay man up here, that kind of stuff or whatever. Yeah. They didn't do that for this year's uh, esports athlete. Yeah. You know? They didn't yeah, let true. him do an acceptance speech. But could it be so. that he wasn't there, right? Like, or he or she, I, I don't remember who it was. Um. So I, I wonder, yeah, and, and here's the interesting thing, too, with the Game Awards is that I... I've always had uh, the the opinion I've had of the first Game Awards back in 2014 is the same opinion I have of it now. I feel like I felt the same way about it through all of the years that we've had it now. Uh, this this format of the Game Awards with Jeff Healy and stuff, which is that I don't think it's a very um I don't think it's a balanced show. And I may wish for a certain specific format in my head, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking like even with the same intent that the show has even with this idea of bringing together you know world premieres new trailers game announcements a mesh of you know different worlds colliding you know the games and the movies and entertainment and all the stuff colliding uh plus the awards even with all of that in mind i feel like this could have been done so much better like there we can do better with the balancing of the acts and we can do better with the pacing of the show and we can do better with the size of the show like how long it is it was and like three and a half hours, three hours and 45 minutes with pre-show and everything like I, that. I, I've been saying that for years now, and I felt that same way. I feel like we, it, we we're we always hoping like, oh, next year's going to be better. You know, Jeff Keighley, you know, he's figuring it he's out gonna, still or whatever. He's going to take the feedback of everyone and like, you know, fine tune it and 
and then he does it all over again. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, and it, and it just doesn't happen. And then this year was the first time where I watched it, and then I saw all the negative response on social media. A lot of people on my feeds, at least, were responding negatively to the show for a lot of these reasons that we talk about. And but I was surprised that it took this long for people to kind of catch up because I felt that way from the beginning. I'm not trying to be like a like a oh they're posers or whatever. I just mean like <laughs> dang like yes y'all finally catch on to what we're talking about for years now which is like this show is not that great it, it it has so much potential right like i want it to be great it has so many big name companies involved they jeff Kelly is so good at getting premiere access to things that people care about to show on the show for the first time like the elden ring you know announcement or the xbox series x you know was first shown at the game awards and you know smash characters in the past and all that stuff like that i just it just needs to be a little bit better put together. You know what I mean? It just needs, we just need to trim out some of that fat, like bring this down to a sizable, like a, two like a two, two, two wasn't, and a half hours show. Wasn't there a game awards that happened? Like, I don't know, 2015, 2016, where it was like, it was two hours. Yeah. No? At some point, at some point they did do there it. There was like one. one, there was one year where they did it. Yeah. Yes. And was that like a good year in your opinion? Um, the, the funny thing is they all blend in my head now in, yeah. uh, in hindsight, but I, I think the thing with the two hours one is that like, it, it still had a lot of the same problems in the sense that, uh, we still did not give time to the awards, right? That's yes. one, like, I feel like we gave even less time to the awards. And that's my concern as well with saying like, Despite oh, having a longer run time. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> that's my concern with the idea of like, oh, it should be shorter. It's like, we already like, oh, the awards are already taking at most like half an hour out of this four, four hour show. If we make it shorter, is that time going to go down to like 10 minutes? You know what I mean? Like, are all like, are we even going to have awards at that point? So I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm just beginning to think like as much as Jeff Keighley has, you know, this infectious personality and I love the vision that he has, the ambition that he has for the show. Um, I feel like he just he needs better. Earnest. Yeah, I, I just feel like he needs better help running it. I, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if it's because it, it's inevitable. You know, they got to pay for the show. They got to sell all these ads or whatever the fuck. But um, you know, yeah, that was going to be another thing about like the, the from the behind the scenes perspective, since they're in like this big ass like theater. I would I don't know if it's called like the Kodak Theater or whatever the fuck, uh, like whatever expensive venue that is. That looks expensive, and their production yes. design is all that stuff. And just it's the Microsoft. Team. It's the Microsoft yeah. Theater, which used to be called the Nokia Theater. It's used uh, during E3 for all sorts of stuff as well. So um, like that venue is so expensive. Do they? Do you think that Jeff Keighley is beholden to take all of these ad spots to pay for that telecast or whatever? possibly but because um, like okay like for instance like if i was running shit all right i would only take s tier announcements i'm talking like yeah. elden ring um hellblade uh that star wars thing like anything yeah. that that's hype inducing you take everything else like a king of fighters trailer you you cut that shit and everything that's not hype right. inducing and there are the you dance can, the cringe ass like dance number with the with like the animated dance number. Oh yeah, from, yeah, yeah. Cut that. Uh, out. Yeah. I don't even remember what that was. Was that Genshin Impact or something? No, like, it wasn't. It was some game that's I think it's coming out soon or something like that or whatever. So they were just showing yeah. like in engine footage of what they can do. Uh, but basically, like if you cut out everything that's irrelevant or not really hype inducing, you just you take the ads down a notch. Like because there was because mm -hmm. there was like on the middle part of the show, it was a very much a lull. Like, uh, yeah. I was bored and I was kind of like nodding off while watching the show live. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if you think if you, if you sort of just trim out all of the bad publicity, bad world premieres that no one cares about, would you just be then like, make it a, a quality show that people will care to watch because yeah. the pacing is better. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And in fact, like I, uh, I am pretty sure that you can take that entire show and re-edit it. 
I almost like I almost want to do that as a little personal <laughs> project, you know, like re-edit it and you can trim that down to a two hour or even less show that is great, you know, and that people would love. Uh, because the content is there, and now there, there's some argument here. We know we already talked about it on episode 101 about whether we thought there was enough big announcements or whatever. But there is, there is content there. There's like there's some cool stuff there. It's just that with all of the other stuff in between, it almost takes away from it. You know what I mean? You know, I'm gonna say this though. At least uh, the ads weren't as annoying, because like when previous years, everything was brought to you by something. Yeah. And this, there was yeah. some of that here, but like. It was like two or three categories and stuff like that. Like there was one year where like it was the Gillette man and he was in like this costume yeah. or whatever. Like that was annoying as hell every time they kept cutting to this Gillette man. However, they did do a similar kind of like cutaway thing where it's like, come watch my Twitch channel because I have guests and uh, a mm-hmm. viewing party going on and stuff like that. I don't know who the hell you are, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so other than that. Yeah, yeah. That, those, those are annoying. I, I've almost become less critical of it just because of I'm used to it. You know, like it's like <laughs> it is what it is. No, I mean it. Like, so I, I, that's why I'm, I meant as well when I said, like, damn, these people took a while to catch up and, and actually have this criticism of the show because when I was watching the show, um, I very much, I wasn't either impressed, but I wasn't upset either because I was like, this is just what the Game Awards is. Like, I knew it's what I was going into, you know? Like, I, I turned it on and I, I didn't watch it live because I, I had to work till late. And then, uh, and since I didn't watch it live, I waited till Leo was home anyway so that we could watch it together. And so I started watching like late at night and then we were watching it till 1 a.m. or something. I watched the entire thing with the pre-show and, and whatever. And once I started it, I started it already knowing like, okay, this is not something that I'm going to turn on and focus and be glued to my screen for the entirety of it. This is something where I'm going to check my phone, you know, and I'm going to, which I never do that. That's, that's, that's what I'm trying to, to convey here. Like I, I, when I watch something, that is the only thing I'm doing. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not checking my phone. I'm not like. I'm not doing anything else. I am very much a, a focus one thing at a time kind of person. The Game Awards is almost an exception, though, where it's like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, grab my laptop and do like check my emails and do some work. And I'm going to go and like look at my phone and, and whatever while I'm doing this because it just there's so much dead time. And I already I was already in for it. I was already like expecting it, you know, because it's just what the show's become. It's like it's a four hour long show where um you know two hours of it are just dead time yeah you know? so um anyway by the way I think- before we uh before we move on i just gotta say you're dan you're gonna look at me sideways but i forgot to press the record button on the video so this is what i'm gonna do like li- i'm telling you right now this live i'm gonna put the audio the first 15 minutes of audio with the ready press play logo and then we're just gonna just snap into like existence on video just randomly and it's okay. middle, middle sure. the middle of your sentence Sure, 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 sure. I'm sorry. No problem. No problem. (laughs) You know, that's your, that's your side of the business. You, uh, you take care of that. You do whatever, you know, you do whatever works and that's fine. Um, just created some more work for yourself, I guess. Yeah. It's got to, I got to edit and export it now. So it's just a little, just a little bit, but luckily, anyway, you know, hello everybody. Welcome welcome to video. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to video. You know what? It's just, I'm sort of already getting in that mentality. We're going to audio, (laughs) 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 which is kind of fucked up because like, Oh, this is, comes. This comes after I made our best ready press play video ever. You know what I mean? Like so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say this. I'm gonna and I and, I, and I'm gonna tell you, Dan, right now. I have a special surprise planned for the final video episode. That's how just many gonna, surprises like... do you freaking have? <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, so I'm gonna tell you a little bit behind the scenes about what happened with episode 100. So okay. on episode 100, and Dan, this is the first time we were actually talking about it because we were we were gonna talk about it until episode 101, but whatever. You guys can see it here again. Uh, 
So Dan uh, didn't know about what the, what the, how the video was going to end and stuff like that. I kept that a secret from him. And uh, I had a, a different like montage. Okay, so episode 100 ended with the montage of our Twitch, play, our Twitch streams. Yes. I had a different uh, montage in mind of just a bigger, more ambitious, more clips. However, the, the, the Ready Press Play song is only like two minutes long. And like mm. the clips that I already had were already like building up in length and they, didn't, they took up so much time. So I had to like ch- pick between one thing or another. And now the one thing that I cut out for episode 100 is eligible or I can reuse that idea and finish mm. and sign us off for our final video episode. So, All right. and it just so cool. happens that since I already made the footage already, it's easy because that's less effort because it's already, all the work's been done for me. So, mm. yeah. Right. I don't know. What do you, what do you, do you want to take a guess of what you think I might be, what, what, what I was going to do? Um, I'm thinking it's going to include uh, pieces from our video episodes as well, right? Since we, uh, our, our video podcast episodes, which we only started doing this year, uh, as opposed to only the streams. That would be my guess. Yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, anyway, let's, uh, let's hit up some, some other things to talk about here. Uh, Louis, have, uh, have you been playing Fortnite Chapter 3? Yes. Okay. So let me tell you this right now. First off, I watched like a 20 minute YouTube video explaining the actual story of Fortnite. It's just like completely like mind mind blowing that there's an actual. <laughs> Does it even matter, by the way? It feels like it's just nonsense. <laughs> it's a canonical story apparently going on. And like there's that's why like there's like the scene with the rock and everything like that. It's all that mm-hmm. stuff is going on. Apparently, like there's just like this this faction war, like this bid for power. And are they stuck in some kind of time loop, by the way? There was, there yes. was something in the, in the ending of, uh, either the ending of uh, chapter two, or it was like the first cutscene, beginning chapter three or whatever, that uh, made it seem like they were stuck in this bubble that in a, is in a time loop of some kind yes. or something like yes. that. Yeah. Uh, the Fortnite uh, island is basically like this nexus point for all of realities. Realities, mm. it's called the zero point. It's like this, this thing that powers everything. And so through the zero point, every reality that's ever existed, like the Marvel Universe, DC, all that kind of stuff, like that's how you can have all these crossover characters and stuff like that. Because when you enter the Fortnite reality, you get, you make, they make a clone of you basically that just makes you, so you're, you're like an avatar and then you can leave the loop, but you're still in the loop. Like there's a part of you, like a clone of you, like a shadow of you that's still there. That's how I can still play as Iron Man. I can play as, you know, Batman and all that stuff like that. There's like, right. you, can, you can canonically finish the story of what happened at the end of the Marvel season where Iron Man and Thor peace out, but they're, you can still play as their skins because they're like the remnants. Right. Themselves. Interesting. Yes. You know, what okay. would have been an, a, a, different, a different alternative way that they could have rationalized everything is that they were in a video game. I mean, like, what, in the, like the <laughs> like actual story, it was yeah. that the characters were in a game or whatever. Oh, no, right? in Smash but... Brothers, like, the characters are toys that are being played with, like the dolls yes. and stuff like that. Ta- ta- yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But uh, anyways, so that being said, um, the, the, the actual Fortnite itself. Okay, so... I've been like on a lull with Fortnite. We've even talked about it on this very podcast on previous episodes. Yeah. We talked about how like Fortnite feels like it's on a bit of a decline and stuff like that. Like our me and our friends are really we're not really playing. I'm not like I'm buying my yeah. levels just to get the skins instead of actually earning them and stuff like that through gameplay. Uh, the challenges are like very conv- convoluted and complex, and this whole structure is just so over the over all over the place uh, and stuff like that. So finally, when I when when Chapter Three started, like I just was like mind blown, like like falling in love with it all over again for the first time, kind of stuff. They've they've completely streamlined all of the weapons and everything. It's like simple. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the gameplay is fun. They got like these new weapons, like this med mist, where you can like sort of spray yourself instead of like bandaging yourself. You can run with it. You can heal others and stuff like that. There's um, 
what else is there? There's like the, the new SMGs are cracked. There's now an, an assault rifle that has a scope on it, kind of like a makeshift sniper. It kind of goes into like that first, per, first person mode, which was in previous seasons, but they got rid of it a long time ago, the, the scope they are. Yeah. And this scope they are kind of is better than the old scope they are in the sense that it sort of has that feeling of like Apex Legends slash Call of Duty. Um, there's also a, a slide that Apex Legends and Call of Duty does where you just hold the crouch button and then you just do a power slide and all that kind of stuff. Yes, it's so awesome. Yes, yes, it's yes. so fun. And it's like, there's a Spider-Man, like, you know, they have, because Spider-Man skins in there, you can actually like Spider-Man around and stuff like that, swing and stuff. Like Fortnite's uh, uh, engine is so fucking versatile. Like there's just so much going on and uh, the game is fun for me. I actually like it. There's uh, yeah. I don't really have much bad to say about it. To I'm, tell you the truth. I'm, I'm in, I'm in the same boat as you, by the way. I, uh, I, went to just kind of check out like let's see what this chapter three thing is like and i i played a few matches and i i gotta tell you i feel like they this season is going in the direction that i would have wanted them to go before that the thing that i kept getting frustrated about is that i felt like they just kept and we even talked about that on episode 100 funny, funny enough like they just kept adding things to the game uh just for um for the sake of adding new things. That's what it felt like to me. It's like, just let's just create more shit, you know? Let's just make it weird. Like, let's just create these features that nobody ever asked for. And I that didn't really excite me. I understand how that would probably maybe excite, like, a lot of the player base, maybe the younger people that are just looking for something new every time. Um, but it just didn't really attract me to the game. I, I actually, uh, it was kind of making the game lose me. And I feel like with this new season, I agree with the, the phrase you used, which is back to basics. I think that's what you said. Uh -huh. um, or streamlined. Yeah. And I, I feel like that is the direction they went with it, which is like, let's, let's focus on, on the core gameplay of the game and what makes it cool and fun and special. And, uh, and like polish that up. And, you know, with the new weapons, with the, you know, little no mobility more, no, no, mechanics no, and primal guns and crafting and like yeah it's like i the there's two ars there's a smg there's a handgun there's a shotgun and a sniper rifle i've never been a fan of the sniper rifle but i now i actually use it because you get three shots and they're pretty it's pretty decent so and, and you know i i i really liked it i my first impression of it was very positive and and i think that they're they're doing what the game needed at, at this point and in my mind now is that going to be enough to uh to make it popular again i mean don't get me wrong it, fortnite has always been popular continues to be popular but uh is it is 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 that enough to make um it have a spike again in popularity uh, i'm not sure I'll, you know we, we should look and see and we can only kind of we only kind of have our anecdotal data but uh, on that stuff anyway the other thing they changed with it by the way Lewis, and i don't know if you know about this but fortnite chapter 3 fortnite now runs on unreal engine 5 and it is actually it is the first game. It is the first release game to be running on Unreal Engine Five. Whoa! Um, that explains why it looks so much crispier. Yes. Now, what what does this mean, right? Like like oh, it's a new engine. They rebuilt the game or whatever. No, that's not what it is. Um, you know, Unreal Engine is one program that just gets updates, right? And and when you had Unreal, when we call what we call Unreal Engine Four is actually an engine that was getting updates every few months, going from like. 4.1, 4.2, 4.3, 4.4. I believe the latest version that we were in was like 4.27 or something like that. Uh, and then now we got this major update to Unreal Engine, which puts it at version 5.0. Of course, it is a bigger update. Of course, there's a lot of features. You know, you don't just call it. There's a reason why it's 5.0 and not 4.28, right? Um, it is a it is a new engine in the sense that it's been. Um, worked on significantly, you know, they've branched off the engine and they did all this work on top of it and then released it as a new, uh, you know, first number. Um, but 
that means that you know the people that worked on Fortnite, being Epic developers of Unreal Engine, um, just worked on kind of upgrading the 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 engine version that the game was running on, made it made sure it wor- it ran and worked with the with Unreal Engine five. And so, um, I guess the only reason why I'm doing this explanation is that I I just want to point out that perhaps um, it, it's not as if the the game was was ground up built on Unreal Engine five, right? They they upgraded what the it's backwards the code, compatible the game. basically the yeah engine, yeah yeah. The, the engine's they upgraded. Problem, so I get that. The the engine the game was running on, but yeah, I I noticed that visibly because when I I didn't know that information, and then I installed the game, and I'm playing around on my Series X, and I'm like, game just looks better. Like I I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I was like, it just looks better. It looks like the you know the 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 lighting or whatever is better. Like it just looks higher quality. It looked a little bit more next gen. And then I uh, I went and I looked it up, and then that's when I found out that it actually. Um, is running so, on Unreal 5. So so let me ask you this. Like, This is the first release game on Unreal 5. Now, we've seen like Unreal Engine 5 tech demos already before. And mm-hmm. like, I'm just surprised Like in, in my head. like, I just feel like Unreal, Unreal Engine 5 has been out for a while now. And like, I'm surprised that there already isn't a game that's been released on it. Or no? Well, um, as far as I know, and I, now I want to fact check that information because I'm like, did I get that wrong? But I'm pretty sure that Fortnite is officially the first game to be out that is using Unreal Engine 5. I think there's a lot of games being worked on, uh, but just not released yet. Um, the other thing, though, is that we did get a new tech demo release that used Unreal Engine 5. And oh, yeah, that was, Matrix. Yeah, shown at the Game Awards. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't have time to talk about it on episode 101. Um, we actually, you know, talked about the Game Awards, but... I'm going to talk about it now because I actually downloaded and I played through this Matrix Awakens experience. One last thing. One last thing uh-huh. before we move on. Before we move on to the Matrix. I just wanted to say one last thing about streamlining. I like the new challenge structure. The, the challenge structure last season was so complicated with like these branching storylines. Yes. Like, talk to this yes, character yes, yes. and then do these things and stuff like that. They're like these weird like pages of pages of character portraits that you have to scroll through where it's like, here's what you need to do. And it's like sort of like broken into three columns. Season. Uh, you know, this thing, and then milestones. And milestones are things that you do passively anyways, so you don't even have to yeah. track. So, yeah. They had Just such a good say. quest... They had such a good quest system before, and then they fucked with it, and I didn't like that either. Um, yeah. And I, I, I feel like that's a little better now. I agree with you. Um, yeah, anyways. so I checked out the, the, the Matrix experience, and uh, this is really fucking cool, Louis. You should... Uh, when you have some time, you should download this on either your Xbox or your PS5 <clears throat> and check it out, because... Um, this is one of the first things that is out there that actually feels truly next gen, right? I know I was just, I just throw that term around with Fortnite, but I mean, like, this gives you a taste of what true next gen games uh, will probably be like in a year or two or three or whatever. Um, so I, I could have spoiled it for myself because like minutes after the Game Awards, the IGN had a full playthrough of it uploaded on their YouTube channel. And I right. was like, I was tempted to watch it. I was like, nah, if the whole video, if the whole YouTube video is like 20 minutes long, I might as well just download it and play it myself because it's only a 20 minute experience. Yes, so. it is a short like. So the way it works is that it's split in two parts. Um, at first, you have what's almost like an interactive cinematic in a way. So like you have you have the cinematic experience where honestly, I don't even know how much of it is like real and what isn't like I feel like it straight up re- reached the point where I couldn't On quite Candy tell Valley? the difference. Yeah. Where I couldn't quite tell the difference between, um, is this, am I looking at a CGI character right now, or am, or am I actually looking at a, fuck, I just blanked on his name. Um, Keanu Reeves. The, Keanu Reeves, right? Like, yeah. it's hard to tell. Like, you literally can't tell. Um, and 
the other thing is like so so you go through that and then you have a, some very little interactive part where you're like you're shooting at things as you're going through and you're in this car chase or whatever uh but then what i call the second part of it is that uh after you go through that little section uh then they just kind of put you in the middle of an open world and there's very little you can do like you can't go and do a mission you can't go it's not a game like you can't uh you can't go and follow a story or whatever you're just standing in the middle of this open city and you can walk around and you can press a button and if you press a button you can fly around not as in like superman flying but you just oh. take control of the camera and you look around the level um like a like a debug command kind of thing right oh, so tease. <laughs> um and it's just supposed to be a demonstration of what the engine is capable of so you got a few interesting things like you got these dynamic um like traffic systems like with the with the cars like going around like the city and stuff and you know they got the pedestrians going around as well so it literally feels like you're in the middle of a gta game but you can't really do anything other than walk around but still like the fact that they got that like everything they got running simultaneously in the way that they have it running like the density of the city the fact that you're able to just run around or flying around with a camera and like everything is rendered, you know, you don't get like, you don't see like popping or anything like that. And it, it's smooth. Uh, it's just, it's just very impressive. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's what cyberpunk should have been from day one. Yeah, basically like, so, <laughs> so it looks like what cyberpunk should have looked like. Like a living, breathing city with routines and all that stuff. Yeah. Th that's my, that's my excited, hyped up side talking. Right. But then the other side is also like, well, but it's also a very limited demo, right? So the moment you add gameplay on top of that, the moment you add shooting and, you know, um, enemy AI and everything else, then suddenly you may not be able to do as much that, that you were doing it'll, there. It'll, uh, uh, what do you call it? What's the word I'm looking for? It'll like crumble under its own weight kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So it will drag down some of the other things. Maybe your frame rate drops and all. You've got to simplify the... You, you, gotta, know, you can't have as many cars on the on the road or whatever. That's why Breath of the Wild uh, cleans up the RAM or whatever whenever that yeah. blood moon rises and all the enemies respawn, so that way you don't have to worry <laughs> about uh, you don't have to worry about memory issues and stuff like that. <laughs> so um, yeah, man, I definitely think you should check it out. I think everybody that has a next gen system out there where they can run this on should uh, check this out. I don't know if it's on PC as well. I assume it must be on PC as well um but yeah it's really cool it's really cool and it's a cool look into what gaming can be in the next few years interesting interesting like i'm still waiting on that apartment game to come out to tell you the truth that's the <laughs> one where it's like oh yeah you remember that one we covered that at the very yes. early onset of this podcast's life i think yes you know yes i remember uh, that that's um who was working on that wasn't that it was a Ninja studio that we know uh, no they're, they're, they're split between like four different games isn't it isn't that the studio that's doing um hellblade or no yeah, so that, I, that's what I just thought. I said Ninja Theory, but I actually don't know if it was... For some reason, my mind is thinking Bloober Team, uh, which they're the guys behind the medium, but I don't know. It might have been Ninja, Ninja Theory. Um, uh, let's see here. Apartment game. Let's see. Ninja Theory. Let's type it in. Let's see what happens. It is uh, Project Mara, and uh, let's see here. It's Ninja Theory. Oh, okay. Cool. So now we know? Yes. We know. <laughs> um... I've also been playing Lewis, and this this might be kind of surprising, but I've been playing Forza Horizon Five. I put quite a few hours into it already. Yeah, over the last few weeks. You know what's kind of funny is uh, you saw me in the game when I wasn't there. Yes, yes, dude. <laughs> what the fuck? Like I uh, I sent Lewis. What Lewis is referencing is that I sent a photo of this to him, but I, I'm just driving around and I see a car pass me by and it says Chakalaka '88 on it. So I took a a, a photo of it and I sent it to him. 
I was like, uh, that you? Do you play the game? And they said, no, I don't even, I don't even have it installed. And, and here's the weird thing. I, I know about how Forza has this drive avatar system, uh, which uh-huh. has been talked about a lot, even back in the, in the day, and where they'll take somebody's driving style and create an avatar that drives like an AI that drives similar to how that person would drive when they're playing the game. Yes. And so when you're playing, you can race against your friends. Even if they're not online, you can race against their drive avatars. But I had no idea they would make a drive avatar for somebody who's not even playing the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was you kinda... know, my nephew had played a... My nephew played a, like uh, the the Forza Fast and the Furious expansion, the like the, the mm. self-contained like self-released expansion, and that's the only like time I've ever booted up a Forza game. And my Xbox One is whenever uh, he wanted to play the Fast and the Furious, you know. But other than I that, was, I, yeah, I I was kind of mad about that because I uh, like I felt a little disingenuine, like almost like the game was <laughs> tricking me, you know. Like, oh yeah, you're part um, of this Forza community and stuff like that. Play with your friends, and it's. It's just pulling from your friends list nefariously. Yep. Just to yeah. It was like it was yeah. it was you and then Game Over Greggy, who is not on my friends list, but I like follow him or something, you know. And Major Nelson ah. and yeah. Um, Damn. Yeah, it was weird. Weird. Um, but anyway, talking about the game though, uh, this game is really cool, Louis. And I say that as somebody who doesn't play racing games, doesn't play driving games or whatever. A lot of people like to say Ryan McCaffrey likes to say that this is a driving game more than it is a, a racing game. Um, now here's where I didn't think it was going to get me and where it did. Uh, I, I just installed it to check it out. You know, it's been getting some awards, some recognition. I was like, okay, I want to, want to try this game out. Let's see. Let's see what it's like. Um, this is a fun open world game. And I think that might've been what I was looking for at the moment. I am playing Forza Horizon almost like I play Assassin's Creed, where I am just driving the car around, exploring the world you know, hitting things on the map and, you know, checking like areas and, and whatnot and doing little go- like you have like these XP blocks on the map that if you hit them, you get XP and then you level up and then you got like challenges and then you got races and you got all these random things like story missions and you can just kind of drive around whatever you want. Um, And then you will see like when you drive past where there's like an event happening or whatever, you can just press X on the Xbox controller and then you can start and play that event. So you go and you play that race and then you get, you know, maybe you, you get a car, you get money or whatever the hell. And then you just kind of keep driving and you find the next thing to do. And there's something about it that is very relaxing to just kind of have the music playing. You can go through different radio stations, kind of like GTA or whatever. Um, just kind of driving around. <laughs> yeah. Um, just kind of driving around Mexico and then just like, oh, I'm going to go and play a race now. I'm going to go and do a story mission now. I'm going to go and just kind of see what that area is like that I haven't been to yet. Or, oh, I'm going to go and uh, do this random uh, challenge or whatever. Or um, there's parts where there's like speed, like almost like speed meters. And you're supposed to get like, see how uh, how high of a speed you can get in the speed meter. And I don't know. It's just fun. It's like, it's this enjoyable, relaxing, zen experience. Um that even though i oh sorry go for it now even though i'm not a big fan of uh racing games or even cars in general that somehow i'm enjoying it and it's grabbed me i was gonna say you make it sound like it's like an open world game in this in the style of ubisoft games where it's like you have to like unlock the towers in order to have like a certain part of the map open up and stuff like that like it's drive up this mountain and look around and then yeah, it's it's very much what it feels like. Um, as you get certain points and you do certain things, you do unlock new areas of the map with new challenges and and all sorts oh of God. things. So 
it very much feels like a traditional Ubisoft open world game, um, except that you're in a car. It also kind of feels like GTA. I also thought that was an interesting way to describe it. Like, it's kind of like playing GTA if you couldn't leave the car. Like, what's the, what, uh, what th- what's the, uh, uh, is it Project Cars that Ubisoft made? No, you're thinking of The Crew. The Crew, yeah. Isn't like The Crew, it's like you can drive from like from the entire US, like from like West Coast to East Coast yes. kind of stuff. Is it like that, like on that level of like just drive through all of Mexico, you know? Yes, 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 yes. Um, I don't know how much of Mexico is like, I don't know how much of it is like this is real Mexico versus this is just kind of inspired by it and it's a style um, versus I think The Crew was going more for like, you know, they really wanted that to be uh to be basically like the u.s you know the u.s roads in a game uh so i can't really speak to that as much um but regardless it's just, oh and also you know it's obvious but you know the game looks beautiful uh the sound design is really good um you can buy houses in the game that's an interesting thing as well uh you can use your money not only to upgrade your car buy new cars etc but you can just have house own houses in the map for some reason and then they kind of work as a base where you can go and do stuff in um that so really it's really weird but yeah that like, let, me, sound... let me let me ask you this because like you know when it comes to like these sim games right like uh when mm-hmm. i think of like gta and forza and stuff like that i don't ever I, for for some odd reason in my head like these cars they, they just drive themselves there is no there is no driver you know what i mean like there's no it's just it's just a self-driving car kind of thing you're driving it remotely right kind of right, right right that's how I, no. I sort of see it so like the idea of a car owning a house just seems to be a little <laughs> bit like so yeah here's the thing that's interesting about this game so uh first it is it is not forza horizon is not considered a sim game as much as forza just because it, it's a little bit more arcadey so usually with mm. racing games there's like the more uh technical racing games versus the more arcadey racing games and, and forza horizon Need is for definitely speed, on the arcadey yeah on the arcadey side and you do have a character like you have a human character with you know you can you can choose you know, your your hair and whatever, like customize your character, give him a name. And the other thing that's really interesting, too, is that they will call your character by the name that you that you gave him. So I receive like audio logs as I'm playing the game. They call me Daniel where, the, where they're going, hey, Daniel, we got a new race available on this blah, 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 blah. You got this like Cortana like AI that interacts with you that will find things for you to do in the game and then also route your car towards like where you need to go. It's like, and you can call her at any time and tell her what you want. Like you can say, I want accolades or I want races or I want to progress the story or whatever. And she'd be like, yes, Daniel, for sure. Let's do that. And then she'll like, she'll like create a, you know, guide you towards like whatever, something for you to do. Um, I don't know. It's like really cool. Like I, I keep playing it and thinking like, I want, <laughs> I want, um, I don't, it's not that I want other racing games to learn from Forza Horizon. I want Assassin's Creed to learn from Forza Horizon. I want, you know, um, <laughs> Batman to to uh, learn from Forza, you know, Horizon from to learn from this. Because I, I feel like it's almost like this interesting lesson in open world game design. Um, it, it just, all of it is just so approachable, so accessible, um, so fun. They, they just got every... It feels like they got everything right about it. And I understand now why this game got as good reviews as it did. Yeah. Interesting. So, like, <clears throat> let me uh, let me uh, just go ahead and preface this by saying that I was right. I, I predicted all the awards that it won and stuff like that for Forza. <laughs> so I just want to throw that out there. You, you can suck it. It had that best audio <laughs> design award for its tires to the tread. 
kind of stuff that I was, t- <laughs> I was telling you about, even though I never played the game. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's interesting. I don't, I, I really, um, I hear so many people talk about like the game and you know, you know, hyping it up and stuff like that. And uh, you know, it's it's really crazy because like I've been trying to play games too, you know, and I'm and I'm gonna tell you this right now, like one of my like new year's resolutions for for 2021 that i didn't hold up to was like i wanted to play more games you know i wanted to uh be able to you know clear the backlog and stuff like that how we you know we we put our we put ourselves on blast about our backlog challenge that we don't do you know stuff like that um and so i just wanted to uh talk about that that aspect of things like you know i've been trying to play like halo i'm trying to play metroid i'm trying to play pokemon and you know Forza doesn't quite fit in right now, but even though I I hear it's a good game, it just sucks that there's just too much to there's too much to play. So, oh yeah. no, I, t- I I totally get that. There's there's so many games that I keep hearing about as well that I feel like I I wish I had time to play, but that I probably won't. You know, um, do do you want to talk about you know what games you plan you you think you're gonna be able to play during the the holidays? I only I only um, try to plan for two really, and if if I can finish mm-hmm. the third one, I'll do third one. But my two main ones I want to tackle: I want to finish Pokemon. I want to uh I want to beat the Halo Infinite campaign, and mm-hmm. I want to I want to finish Metroid Dread. Like those are the three main ones. Like the right. Metroid Dread is like the, the the third on the list. So um that's actually a a thing I wanted to start with. Like you know Halo Infinite's been out for a while now, and I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you: Have you actually gotten around to playing it? No, uh, I I have it installed. I uh, unfortunately. I have this thing where because I'm still playing Halo 2, which I never finished, I'm like, well, I'll finish, I'll finish all the other Halos first, and then I'll... I'm still telling myself that, knowing that it's probably not going to happen, and that I should probably just jump to Halo Infinite anyway. Um, so Halo 2, is that the one that started with him, like, looking, look up, look down, look left, look right, right? Um, Halo 2? Isn't that the start of Halo 1, the one we played together? Okay, is it? Okay. I just, I, uh, I just remember, I can't remember which, I only played the two Halos, Halo 1 and 2. And I can't remember which was the one where it's like you're in the like the little medical bay and you're being like you know awakened and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And he's like, "Let's check your let's check your uh, your motor skills. Look up for me, and then look down." Right. For me. Yeah. Okay. Halo Infinite does the exact some the same <laughs> fucking thing. It's like let's check your motor skills. Look up for me. Follow the light, and then right, right now. Okay. And it's a like, very easy way to just kind of teach the player the the basic right analog of the game. Stick. Yeah. Yeah. Without them knowing they're in a tutorial. And then, like, and it's like a little pop-up. It's like, press the options button to, to invert controls if you want. You know, like that kind of stuff. Right, style. right, right. Yeah, so uh, I just thought that that was just like, oh, my God, are you serious? Like, <laughs> I feel like we've gotten to a point in video games where, like, video games 101, like, I think we've all passed that by now. Right. Or no. Or no, am I, or am I like, I guess the mm. Cuphead example is always going to be, like, the thing that just aloofs us or whatever. But, you know. That's an interesting question. Like, should, uh, here's the thing. If you. If you're a developer and you're making a video game, should you assume that everybody who what level of knowledge or um I don't know like video game experience should you assume that your player is going to have? Like should yeah. you should you always should you always make a game assuming that that could be somebody's first game they ever played in their life? Or the first game in the genre. It's like the first first-person shooter yeah. you've ever played, you know, that kind of stuff. I just thought that that was very interesting. And it's like we've already had 20 years of Xbox, 20 years of Halo, 20 years or maybe even 25 years of dual, of dual sticks. You know what I mean? So, right. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. is interesting. It does make the game accessible to people that it otherwise wouldn't. And maybe that's ultimately, ultimately the intention. But I agree. Like, you know, that they could have probably figured it out on their own anyway, uh, you know, sooner or later. 
Um, but as long as you do it in a way that is tasteful, as long as you do it in a way that is not obnoxious to the people that already know it, I think it's fine. I think when people get upset is when the game is overly tutorializing something that you know, you know, where it's like stopping you in your tracks to be like, hey, by hey, the listen. way, yeah, hey, hey listen. listen, you can press A to jump. You know, we, yeah, we, we got that, right? But there, 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 are better ways to, there are better ways to do that. No, actually, I actually played the first chapter of the game. And the first chapter, like the first, I don't know, 10 minutes of the chapter was like a tutorial. Because like you have to utilize everything at your disposal. You have to crouch. You have to uh, climb. You have to jump and climb. You have to do the grapple, the hook shot. Which is like the new thing, by the way. Like, like everybody's Nathan Draking over here. Because like, you know, like everyone wants to like, you know, get that like link hook shot going and stuff like that. Like, I don't remember if you remember, like, in Uncharted 4, it's like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. let's use this rope and stuff like that and just swing Indiana Jones style. And, and now, uh, and now... But the way I remember it on Uncharted 4, it was very, like, it was very contextual. It was almost like a quick time event where it was, like, in certain instances. It, isn't that how it was? Or am I remembering that wrong? No, like, you can always, like, press, like, uh, on certain things that you can, like, highlight or whatever. Like, when you're, right. like, sliding down or whatever, you can just press RB or whatever or, or R1 and then just, like, huh, like, just, like, snap to it. And then didn't The Last of Us do that too? Like The Last of Us Part 2 where you can also like throw... I remember they, they had a big, they made a big deal with the role yeah. physics or whatever in that game. Like the um, whole like, yeah. yes, you know, yeah. And so like, uh, so yeah, they gave Master Chief the Link hookshot, which I want to say is new to the series. Like I have no idea. Yes. I did not play Halo 5 or anything like that. Okay. So I just assumed that, oh yeah, now he's got a hookshot and he can like sort of, you know, like swing tube like stuff. And, and so you have to like go up to like a level, but you can't, you can, there's no stairs. So you just have to like hook shot your way up to it. And it's sort of teaching you like the very basics. It's not very annoying. It's not like the pop-ups are like, you know, hey, listen kind of thing. It's kind of like very subtle. It doesn't really like, right. it doesn't really like pause the game. It just kind of sort of like, here's a quick little pop-up and it's kind of very small. It's like, you know, uh, not very um, annoying. And um, there's no one speaking into your ear. It's like, you know, hey, you know, you know, hey, listen, kind of stuff, you know, none of that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so the the very first, uh, you know, what's kind of interesting. We played the very first Halo together. And, you know, we're doing yes. that escape sequence in that ship. The, 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 this game is that chapter all over again, where it's like an escape sequence in this ship that's, you know, you know, that's kind right. of, you know, all shit's going down, you know. So, like, it's so, like a mirror like it's like poetry they rhyme kind of shit you know yeah um it's they're probably uh, there's probably a lot of nods to old school fans of halo you know little uh little fan service bits and nostalgia and and you know they they probably wanted uh, that's that would be my expectation in a way that they probably would have wanted this story to be the avengers endgame off the halo lore right like to like kind of bring it all together and and give you all these references and things that the fans go like, oh, yes, and, you know, like, I remember that or whatever. Um, I don't know if that's what they did. I'm just saying that's what they probably should have done yeah. or would, would, considering that this is, you know, the the supposed ending of the current story and, and possibly the last Halo game we'll see in a while, right? So, like, that's the thing. Um, the, the I watched, like, a 22-minute long IGN video, like, explaining the entire lore and storyline and, and chronological chronological order, which apparently Halo 1 doesn't even, like, start the whole chronological. There's, like, a whole, like, prequels and stuff like that with Halo Wars and stuff. So, um, and stuff that, you know, that was, like, known about, like, in, like, lore prior to mm -hmm. Master Chief even existing. And so, like, having learned all of this just now, uh, before the start of Halo Infinite, it just sort of kind of feels like... Just based off of the opening scene, what happens in the opening scene, and what's going on in this first chapter, it almost kind of feels like they're not addressing the the 
the storyline and where they left things off in Halo 5 with mm. Halo Guardians, you know? So, like, there's no mention of Locke or what's going on with Cortana. Granted, I know Cortana's going to play a part in this story because based off of the marketing. However, like, they're not even addressing that right now at the very onset of the campaign. You know what right. I mean? So it just kind of seems like they're just sort of drop that story for now and he presumably master chief went on to do a different story which led him to this whole beginning so it just kind of seems really weird i would i would have hoped that they would have had more connective tissues and stuff like that maybe they maybe it doesn't work you know for from a gameplay perspective from a from a tutorial perspective that you have to do something you have to make it so that with if this is your first halo game you know you're not gonna feel alienated or something right 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 um that's interesting i wonder it I wonder if it's one of those things where they're going to address it later, where they're going to slowly, like, you know, piecemeal it together, or that maybe you need to find some of those extra... Remember how you could find, like, those extra story bits or whatever? Like, you would find, like, a like audio a monitor log. somewhere, and then it would trigger an audio log or, like, a cutscene or, or whatever, and... They're doing audio logs in, in this game. Mm. So maybe those will... First audio log in this, in this first chapter. Yeah, so maybe those will fill in some of those gaps, but I, I will also say that I've always found that... Uh, this seemed to be the case with Halo 1. It seems to also be the case with Halo 2 as much as I've played it. Uh, the Halo story is just not very well told by the games. Uh, maybe that's part of what people like about them. I, I don't know. But it's like, it's very much, they just kind of throw shit on your face and hope you understand it. You know what I mean? It's not <laughs> like they don't really hold your hand through it. It feels like the idea, um, it's almost like the intention of it is that you play the game and then you go like read a book about it or something. And then like you go further into it. There's like, there's so much lore that's been built, but it feels like, the game is not necessarily very um, clear on what it's trying to tell you with, with everything. Because you remember we both, we shared this where we played Halo 1 together and we're like, we don't know what happened. So let's go watch some video. Or, <laughs> yeah. And we Halo 2 like, uh, Halo same. 1 explained or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like what happened with uh, Bioshock 1 for me where it's like, oh, yeah. You know, like yeah. suddenly everything makes sense and stuff like that. Where it's like, it just seems really weird. I hope it's not the case for like Halo 4 and 5 where like, if I was playing these games in chronolo chronological order, like I can, I can give it a pass for Halos one and two because they're original Xbox games. People are just getting right. the hang of you know three D three D development stuff like that and all that stuff. But I think by the time Halo three happened, by the time Halo three it was on the Xbox three sixty, it was like the biggest launch for 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 a game video game ever with sales and stuff right. like that. I hope that they figured out you know a what's the story and b how to tell it. You know what I mean? Like I hope they right. figured out what's how like you know where they sort of like double down on the lore. And they do it correctly. I hope by the time I'm, well, I'm getting to like Halo Four and Five, that I'm not having to do a, a game explainer, you know, every time. You know, you know what I wonder though It's like, I wonder if maybe we're just kind of, almost kind of spoiled in a way by the 2021 or 2020 standard of uh, storytelling in video games, where games have become a lot more like movies and TV shows. When you play God of War, when you play The Last of Us, when you play Uncharted, the way that these games tell their stories, but even like it doesn't it doesn't need to just be the Sony first party games. You can expand that to yeah, yeah. Yeah, to like Tomb Raider, Assassin's Creed or whatever. Like the way these games tell their stories is very much in a similar way that um a movie tells its story where it's kind of carrying you through it. There's like three acts and you know, like here's your act one and here's your you know, your background and here's your uh, you know, flashback to when they were a kid. And it's and, and it's very, you see a lot of everything and you also kind of experience it. And maybe back in the day, you know, in the days of the first Halos and I'm thinking of Metroid Prime as well. Uh, it was more about the 
the kind of the lore that he would find um around you you know what i mean like it was less about these um i don't know tell that's an ocarina of time and half-life true 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 I know. but i i i just think it's like <laughs> I just, I just think it was less about the, the, the cinematic, um, you know, playing, playing through these cinematic moments, and, and more about, you know, you play the gameplay and then you find these, uh, you know, audio logs or yeah. whatever that kind of, you know, make up all of the lore. Uh, it feels like that was the bigger focus then than, than it is now, but. I don't yeah. know, maybe I'm totally I don't off know, base like, here. Is Bioshock like the first to do like audio logs or diaries or whatever the hell? Because it feels like uh, all the games ever since then are like, uh, not only do they utilize it, it almost kind of feels like they're like leaning on it on like a crutch. You know what I mean? Right, like right, right. it almost kind of seems like, okay, well, like if you want the story, you can just sort of like read about it or like, you know, pause the gameplay and, you know, read the journal and stuff like that and scroll through this text. But otherwise, you can just keep your keep moving if you don't care about it, you know, that kind of stuff. It's almost kind of right. feels like it's almost like a detriment to like the game, or I don't know, like not the game, but it's a detriment to like the the story or the lore. I don't know, I don't know how to world building or something like that. It almost kind of feels like, yeah. yeah, it's there, but if you don't care about it, then you can just play the game and have fun, you know. Here's an interesting thing I'm gonna throw in here. So you mentioned Half Life, right? And something that in hindsight is kind of unique about Half Life because we don't really do things this way typically anymore but in half-life control is never taken away from the player you are not you know if there's a cutscene happening or whatever yeah you're um, in it they walk around it and stuff yeah yeah you're in it you can like walk away like some character starts giving you some exposition you can just kind of walk away while they're doing that and then you won't hear them anymore after a while um and there's something that's really cool about that uh but then the kind of the the unintended a problem with it is that i think it might be easier for players to miss key moments or miss things because in a more controlled cinematic uh, experience that we get with these more modern games that we're talking about the game can go like hey let me get the camera let me take control away from you let me get the camera let's, let me focus on this thing let me like you can do it's almost like you can have more control over the fact that the players are seeing everything you want them to see and are understanding what you want them to understand Versus maybe back in the day, it is more on the player's agency and responsibility to pursue and understand the story. You know, I was going to say, like, couldn't you have it both ways? Where you never take away the control yeah, of the yeah. camera, but you lock the door, like, behind you, and you can't walk out of the room? Right, 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 right. That's a, that's a good point. And I, I think many would argue that uh, games are different and, than movies, and that they should be different than movies, and that, you know, that's one of the advantages. That player agency that we're talking about is one of the advantages of our media, and we should, you know, make use of it. So I don't I don't feel strongly one way or the other. I'm just trying to rationalize this. This has been kind of like a topic of the show that we got into that we didn't even anticipate, but <laughs> uh, I'm know, just trying to rationalize. Yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to rationalize why I think it's, like, the, the way the story is told in some of these older games just feels so different than the way it is nowadays. But going back to Halo Infinite, I will say there's like I have two little forms of critique and they're mostly nitpicking. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I f don't remember the the left stick. I remember I remember being the left stick being sprint where you have to press on the left stick in order to sprint. I don't remember that like the way I vaguely and I, again I've never played any of the Halo games by the way. But the way I vaguely was going to interpret it is that the left stick pressing the left stick to sprint got remapped and stuff like that to more modern sensibilities you know what i mean like didn't Here's they what, like do that or there's whatever? no there's no sprint in halo one yeah i know um there's no sprint in halo two either oh. i'm pretty sure so i don't know i don't even know when they added sprint in, yeah they, they added sprint so I, like we talked about in episode 100 where like i asked joel if like 
if uh, Halo got codified, you know, where it's like everything's going right, to Call right, of Duty. Right. Uh, but like, like my interpretation is like, like I don't think for me, uh, like left, like pressing the left stick to sprint doesn't feel intuitive for me. Like it feels like I should be right. holding a button, like a face button. But then there's also the way they've used the the default maps and stuff like that. There's like there's all the four face buttons are being used logically as well, like A to jump, uh, X to reload, and Y to toggle between weapons, and B to crouch. So, but isn't Okay, so now now I feel caught here in, in, in a thing. Is I would assume that uh, pressing the one of the sticks to sprint is standard, isn't 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 that the way that it's done in all the shooting games? You know what? Honestly, I don't have enough. I don't have enough uh, first person shooter experience to tell you the truth. Fair like, enough. Fair enough. Uh, like Fortnite is my, my my basically the only thing that I play as far as shooters goes. I've never been into shooty shooty bank bank games before, so uh, so right. I take take my critique with a grain of salt. But like when I right. sprint in Breath of the Wild, I hold Y. You know what I mean? Right. Right. No, so. that's interesting. I think I think your assessment is correct for games of other genres. But when I think about first-person shooters, I actually think that pressing on the stick is pretty standard. I think usually you have the option of whether you have to hold the stick or if you press it to toggle or whatever. Um, but it, I, I, I don't know for sure either because I also do not play that many uh, first-person shooters. Um, and then, I like, say... just, to, just to say, just as far as the, my two little criticism, number one, the left stick. Also... The sprint doesn't even feel that fast. It feels like you're just going just a little bit a hair faster with like little wind right. effects. So like right, I, right. the sprint feels slow. Uh, like Call of Duty, Apex, sprint feels fast. Hell, even mm. regular running feels fast. Uh, there's that. And then number two, uh, the slide. You know, Fortnite, you could slide for like days. And this one, it's like a little power slide. And then you're like, you stop. You're like, your momentum just sort of just stops like a, like a rock. So, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, cause you know, Master Chief's got this heavy ass armor. He's bulky. He's big, you know, I guess whatever. But like, I'm just saying like the fluidity doesn't kind of feels a little off between like the sprinting speed and the, the sliding speed. That's all I wanted to say. Fair enough. Um, Lewis, there was one thing I wanted to bring up. Um, I'm not sure if you saw this, but you probably didn't, but I got into a little bit of a conversation on Twitter today with Lucy O'Brien. Um, you may know she's a she's an IGN writer slash editor, and I just wanted to bring this up here just because I thought it was an interesting conversation. I wanted to see your take on it. Uh, but Lucy O'Brien tweeted, when writing about video games, let's leave all this behind in 2022. And then she proceeds to list, in quotes, memorable, in quotes, engaging, in quotes, emotional, in quotes, fun for veterans and newcomers alike. In quotes, we'll have you thinking about it long after the credits rolled. And then uh, she adds, there's some more responses on the, you know, the replies and stuff. And my, my reaction to this was like, why? What's the big deal? So I replied, may I ask why? Aren't those words just valid ways to describe characteristics of the game? Why would it be bad to say the journey was emotional or that The Last of Us was memorable, etc.? She says, uh, she replies to me saying, what does memorable tell you about the game? And I say, uh, to me, it means the game is impactful, leaves a lasting impression. I've played games that I forgot about after a few days or weeks versus others that lived in my head longer term, becoming my favorites, etc. Not trying to be confrontational, by the way, just wanted to know more about why. Uh, She says, but that could be good or bad, right? It doesn't tell you anything about your experience other than it was, open quote, memorable. I said, fair enough, a game could be memorable for good or bad reasons, but with the added context, I wouldn't mind as a reader, the reviewer expressing that, Obviously, I'm only looking at this from a fan perspective, not a writer, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we had a little bit of that back and forth, and there were some people that jumped in and also, like, you know, uh, 
mentioned. There are some people that actually jumped in and, and took my side on that argument, including Leah, but also some other dudes that I didn't know. Um, and I just kind of, I, I don't know, I was just kind of thinking about this because it's not the first time that I saw this coming from reviewers for IGN or whatever, where they're like, you know, don't use this word or don't talk about it this way or whatever. Like, you know, this is cliche or this this is not descriptive enough. And personally, I just kind of tend to feel like it almost feel it feels nitpicky for some mm. reason to me. Um, and and you are a reviewer now. Yes, you know, I was actually going to love one gaming. I was actually so going to like chime in because I was like, hey, I, I critique games for this website. You yeah. Know? So I wanted to see what you thought about all of this. You know, like I can sort of see what she's thinking because certain things get played out, certain things get overused. So like mm-hmm. for instance, uh, um. When it comes to Smash Bros, like when I when there's commentary, there's commentators and stuff like that. There's certain things that people like lean on too much. Uh, that mm-hmm. like there became like a whole topic, a conversation in the in the Smash space where it's like commentators should stop using these phrases because like like for instance, uh, example, extra credit. Uh, so people were saying that a lot too much in commentary that it came it came played out and they wanted us to st- they wanted commentators commentators to step up their game and stop using the word extra credit. And for those that you don't know what extra credit is, extra credit is whenever you're a, you're ahead in the stock. So like you're it's like the first stock of the game, you know, you both have three stocks, you both have three lives. One of them takes away one of the lives. And so su- suddenly that person with the third with a three stock to two stock lead, he's at death percentage. He's going to, you know, he's, he took a lot of beating just to get that one stock out. So now, how much percentage can he tack on before he, get, he, before he inev- inevitably dies? How much extra credit can you do? Can you do 50%? Can you do 80%? 100%? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like that. That's, it's like everyone's like sort of like, you know, it's like, oh, let's, how much extra credit is he going to get? You know, that kind of stuff. I was like, he needs, he needs so much or blah, blah, blah. It became played out. So right. I can sort of see in her viewpoint when all she does is deal with writing and critiquing all the time. Granted, I only write like maybe once a month if I if that when I get an assignment. Uh, right. So like I can see where somebody who does it on the daily on the grind would want to would want people to move or elevate to something better, something that you know pushes critique forward. Right. So right, right. that's where I go with her on that one. But as far as you, I mean. Uh, you're you're perfectly re- uh, fine with your from the fan perspective because from the reader's perspective, from the viewers and listeners' perspective, they just want to hear what they know. You know what I mean? So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I I almost kind of felt like it's I, I I guess the way I looked at it is like it almost feels like it's overcomplicating something that doesn't need to be complicated. You know what I mean? Like, um, let's say you're describing a game to me as a friend, right, Louis, and you're and you're telling me like hey, you're trying to tell me whether this game is going to be up my alley or whether you liked it or you didn't or whatever. Uh, you can, you may come in and say, oh, this game was very emotional. That was one of the examples. This, this was very emotional. You know, it made me cry or whatever. Like, yeah, this this is the kind of story that will, you know, hit you in the heart and and, 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 yeah. and tell me that way. And I will appreciate hearing that because that gives me context in the game and I can picture it in my head and I know what you mean. And I feel like almost like this idea that you need to avoid using a word because it's overplayed or um, cliche or whatever. Um, I almost feel like that doesn't matter if the word, like if the, every word has a meaning and if the meaning of the word is what you're trying to say, you know, if it, it causes strong emotion or whatever, yeah. and it's widely understood, um, and then, then why not? You know, so that's kind of how I look at it. But I also understood her point. I wasn't trying to be, like I said, I really wasn't trying to be confrontational. I was worried, uh, when, we, when we had the back and forth that it was going to come across that way, which is why I said that. Yeah. I'm not trying gotta, to, it's gotta be very, very obvious, obvious because tweets, you can't convey tone. Yeah, yes, so. exactly. And that, that that's something that's difficult too. Like I I've had situations before where 
and I, I'm a very like chill guy on Twitter. I don't do any kind of controversial statements or anything like that. But there have been times where I replied to somebody and they replied back and I could tell that they they took my reply in a way that I didn't mean it. You know, like, yeah, um, I can't yeah. remember. That's what, why that's why uh, the Lewis policy is like the best tweets are the tweets that you don't tweet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I think I had a thing with uh, Max Scoville once, which was also from IGN, where um, he was like he was like tweeting like some movie opinions. And then I replied with, you know, some movie opinion back or what I was like, oh, I actually you know, I actually like that movie or whatever. And or I didn't like that one. And then he had like this like super rude response back where he was like, um, I, I, I actually I can't even remember exactly what he said, but he was like, oh, you need to get better taste or something. I was like, <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it didn't, you didn't need to do that. <laughs> um, but anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. Just wanted to see your your take on it. Interesting. I tried. Yeah. I tried. Twi- I just. I just Twitter stalked you and I couldn't find the reply that you were talking about. So I'm like, I wanted to put oh, it up really? on screen. Oh, really? I wanted to put it up on screen, but I couldn't find it. So it must be, because uh, don't you like when you reply to something, shouldn't it show up or no? Here, here's what you do. You go on my profile and then you click tweets and replies because it like separates it. Oh, um, okay. So your tweets are different. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I see it now. Interesting. Those yeah. bastards. So try- wait, wait, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Let's, let's, let's stop here. Okay. Didn't they used to do it where like... You do both. They're they're mixed together. Your tweets and the replies are in one feed, or no? I Isn't think that at some point. I think at some point, yes. But I feel like it's been a while that it's changed where See, they uh, broke it down. But uh, this is why I don't do Twitter. This is why I don't do Twitter. But and also, <laughs> if people already hate me in the in the in the comment section, the live viewers always hate that I have you know non dark mode Twitter. So yes, I'm a heathen. But now that I see yeah, it I here, do. I can see I can see your. I can see your replies here, so that's interesting. Yeah, I do dark mode everything. Yeah, you can go through the entire thread if you'd like or whatever. There were like there were like multiple um replies and stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, and it was interesting too to see all of the replies to the original post because I realized that there's a lot of journalists out there because a lot of people reply to it. They have gripes with like very specific words or phrases. Um, and it's it's kind of funny, you know, like you because you read it. And it's a lot of things that you've heard before. So Go let's ahead, let's let's dissect them. Like I like the first one that jumps out at me. The, the first one that jumps out to me is fun for veterans and newcomers alike. Like that doesn't right. that seems very innocuous in my opinion. Like I don't know why somebody right. would want to uh, get in. Like that is a very descriptive thing. It's like something that is yeah. uh, you know like for instance God of War twenty eighteen. I would say that is probably fun for both veterans and newcomers alike. It's uh, it's a yeah. it's a good jumping point where you don't need to know the story of the first God of Wars. And then it's also the mechanics are very easy to learn and grasp in, in modern in, in modern te- uh, time. And for those that you know know uh, Kratos and stuff, you can see an evolution. You can grow with them, and you can you know play harder difficulties and stuff like that. I get that saying. Right. And yeah, I think I think maybe the argument would have been that, and I think there is like a different case for each one of those words or phrases or whatever. But I, I think maybe the argument would be that uh, isn't that what every game is supposed to be? But but then also not because you know the, I wouldn't say that about The Last of Us Part Two, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. That is true. Yeah, like the the beginning of the game loses its 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 impact if you didn't play the first one. Here's if you look at the replies, there's a few you know like she replied to it, and 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 another thing that she had there is the first one, a love letter to the genre. Right? <laughs> I feel like that's you know it is a little cliche. But I, I feel like all of these things have a meaning. I think there are there is a meaning to using them. Like a love letter to the genre means like everything that you love about this genre, this game does. Right. Ooh. So Oh, um, I love some of these replies. 
Brian Altano, <laughs> words can't describe. And then he says, nah, <laughs> they definitely can. You're using some to you're using some of them right now. I'm like, nice. Yeah. Uh, that is a funny one. Um Yeah. Okay. You know what? I'll give him a pass on that one. Because he's Brian Altano. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, you know what? I I won't because here's why. Like he has he has a literal point, right? Like, yeah, you are if you say words can't describe X, but you're describing it, it's like it's in the middle of a review. Uh but I, I feel like it's used as hyperbole. And that's the thing. All of these things are uh, like parts of language, parts of grammar that we created to convey our ideas, right? So if I say words can't describe how much I love this game, I am just using hyperbole, which is a, you know, a, a language technique to convey how much I like the game, right? It's like, rather than saying like, I fucking love this game. So if I don't want to swear, I could say words can't describe how much I love this game. That's just one way of putting it, right? Like, and I agree, if it's cliche, maybe you should try to do it better or whatever. Okay, you could just say it's but breathtaking. I... No, you're breathtaking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like uh, Keanu Reeves, like throwback there. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, let's wait, hold on. It's been 20 years since we last. Okay, whatever. Still, it's not perfect mechanically, however. And lastly, bad writing. That's Mitch Dyer right there. Okay. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Max Govel say, says, since, since, most, uh, since so many people think, seem to think that unique is synonymous with weird and kooky instead of literally singular, one of a kind, can we just get rid of it entirely? Hmm. If, uh, Imran Khan, if you're a fan of blank, you'll certainly enjoy blank. Hmm. That one? No. No, no, no. That's no. useful, right? That's useful, yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's like, that's what you, we want. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a fan of Halo, you're going to love Halo Infinite, you know, or something like that. Or, or better yet, if you're a fan of Smash Brothers, you're going to love Nickelodeon All-Stars. You know, that and, makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. I, I follow all these people. I don't want to put any of them on blast. That's not the purpose of this. This is just we're discussing our opinion about the stake, right? Yes. So I don't want this to be taken personal in, in any way by, by any of these people that we're, that we're talking about here. We're attacking the points, um, not the people. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's that's a good way to put it. Uh, but I, I, I almost feel like this. I, I, I almost feel like perhaps journalists um, are so focused on the words they use to deliver the message uh, to the point they're getting rid of so many useful words and phrases because they're cliche or they don't like them or whatever. Uh, and they're not focusing on the reason why game reviews exist to begin with, which is a way to tell your audience whether they're going to like this game or not, right? And I feel like all of these examples that they're shitting on or saying that shouldn't be used are very useful ways to tell your audience whether they're going to like this game or not. Right? And they were probably the ones you, that propped them in the first place, so... Yes, there's yeah. that as well. So if you come here and you tell me, uh, you know, that that's what I want from a review. I want it to be like, you know, a conversation... Like, if I have a conversation with Lewis, Lewis played a game, he played Deathloop, and he's telling me about it, you know, what is it like, whether I'm going to like it or not, there's a lot of things that he's going to say. That's what I expect from a review, but from somebody who, you know, is hopefully, like, um, I'm not going to say more experienced necessarily, because Lewis is pretty experienced, he is a reviewer, he's played a lot of games, uh, but he would want somebody that kind of knows what they're talking about, who's maybe familiar with the genre, or, you know, the the style of game or the studio or whatever right you know i'm um, trying to i'm trying to think to myself like i can't remember my my reviews off head i've like off the top of my head like i've written reviews since like or late last year you know starting with uh uh bpm and so i'm trying to think to myself like have i actually used any of these phrases in my reviews i can't think for i can't remember like what i wrote or whatever but like these sounds like at least one of these things i've actually had to have said it 
Oh, at yeah, least one. Most likely. And also, like, all not, of these not journalists have... Not intentionally so, by the way, so just throwing yeah. that out there. And, and, and everybody who replied to that thread also has, and they're not even trying to hide that. I'm not suggesting they are, but it's like, you know, these things are cliches because people use them, and that's just how it is, right? So, yeah, maybe the idea is just, like, trying your best not to... Uh, like to write in a way that's more unique and not just kind of copying the the words and phrases that everybody else uses. So I kind of get that. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like the ultimate goal is not to, um, you know, kind of self-indulge on your, uh, like, I, I don't know, like on, on your writing chops, but yeah. more like, you know, the, the, the end goal should be the audience, right? Like, does the audience like this? Does the audience care about this? And I have a feeling, I could be wrong, but I have a feeling the majority of the audience does not care. Um, about this stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm, seeing some, but anyway. I'm seeing some more replies. Checks all the boxes. Uh, don't forget <laughs> souls like. Uh, yeah. Oh, and then somebody you know wrote. What? Somebody wrote Halo ass Halo. <laughs> I will uh, now that I've now that I've you know I'm, I'm I feel like I made my point clear. Now I'm gonna tell some of the ones that I think that the nitpick is potentially valid. Okay. Um. Uh. This is like Breath of the Wild. <laughs> is, is something that I, I feel like we're ta- we're saying that to like every game now it's like oh it has grass on oh this is like breath of the wild <laughs> you know whatever tons of fun um no. yeah mm. like or uh you know the checks out the boxes yeah that one doesn't really say anything like um what what are the boxes <laughs> if you tell me what the boxes are then sure <laughs> but otherwise i'm like what does that what does that mean um so yeah i i can uh feel like everybody everybody can have some uh some epics yeah, so like, like, let's sidestep here, by the way. Like, uh, you know, this actually kind of sort of brings me to like talking about me and my reviews. Like, I wanted you to, mm-hmm. like, not, not, I don't know what you, how, how, we've never actually talked about, we talked about my reviews. Like, what do you think of my review on an individual game by game basis, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We've always done that, like, you know, privately, you know, one on one kind of stuff. But I always want, I just wanted to get your thoughts on like, what do you think of my style of review or my style of critique or, how I approach things and stuff like that. Like, have you ever like read any of my reviews and not, and wondered, you know, if I like described the game wrong or, or anything like that, or like you couldn't picture it, or, you know, the gameplay in your head without watching a video review. If or I, so if I'm being honest, I don't think I've thought about it like too deeply, but every time I read them, I feel like you're doing a good job. So like, I don't, I, here's the thing. I don't, I don't feel one way or like, I, I, I don't read your review and then think, holy shit, Lewis is the best reviewer in the world or something. <laughs> but I also don't read it and think it's bad. I always read it and I'm like, no, nah, that's a review. That's a good review or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't So I don't I'm not the worst either, about it. but I'm, yeah, so yeah. I'm just right. <laughs> yeah, just right, exactly. But to be fair, that's how I feel about every, re- almost every review because I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I what, number one, I don't really read reviews a lot anymore. Um, I, I actually just grabbed this because I wanted to show that uh, I am actually reading this Game Informer uh edition like physical like i have the physical game informer um we could talk about this in a different uh situation but they have reviews here and i actually read some of their reviews like Mm. on paper Mm. um and i think they're pretty good um and but i don't it's not it's not like um our reviews just they're they're kind of the same to me like i don't I, i i don't see from from my mind like i don't think there's a lot that you can do wrong with it you know what i mean like it's almost like, like have you ever like, like those seen or watched or read a, a a bad review? Like this review sucks, you know? Like yeah, I probably yes, I probably have. That's the thing. Like I I think I've seen reviews that stood out for being bad, um, 
like when people are just shitting on something when it comes across like they're just shitting on something and they're not being very clear why mm. uh, i've seen some of those um but i i don't know if i've ever seen a review that stood out as being fantastic or whatever you know they're all just kind of good yeah um, okay, that makes sense so don't you kind of agree with that? Like, do you, have so, you, do you remember, do you have it in your head? Like, oh, this review was amazing. There are three reviews that come out to my head are like, these reviews are amazing. There was Greg's review of Uncharted 3, which I watched the video review. Like, these are all video reviews. Mm-hmm. I actually think about it. Like, there's something about like the way he does his, his audio, his voiceover kind of stuff that is so like, just, he's just talking to you like a friend kind of thing. Right. So like that one jumps out at me. Uh, the Game Explains Breath of the Wild uh, jumps out at me because like, they had to invent a whole category for their, for like in their system and in, the, in their review system, their best score was not good enough. So they made a better score. And that was oh, just that's like, cool. and they, they called it like there was loved, like I love this game is like their best score. And then they gave it a mind blowing, like <laughs> just to, just to convey how, how awesome that review is. And then there was a, uh, uh, Andrew Goldfarb's review of Persona 5, where like, mm. I am not into like JRPGs or whatever the hell that, that genre is. I don't, I'm not into like, I would never, I've never wanted to try Persona, right? So, right. however, his review was so infectious, like that, that positivity, that happiness, that joy that he got from playing the game was so well conveyed that it made me want to think to myself, I'll at least buy the game. I mean, you know what I mean? You know like, what's funny? Yeah. I, I re- the one thing I remember about that one is that I remember that he had played the entire game in Japanese yeah. before yeah. it came out in the U.S. And then he played it all again in English. And he doesn't know Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> and I, qu- I can't even imagine playing that kind of game in Japanese without knowing the language. Yeah, he, like, um, he so said it in his review, like, crazy. when he gave it a 10, he's like, I played this is my third time playing the game. And I'm like, fuck, you know what I mean? Like, it's, there yeah. was something about it, like, there's something about a really, really good review that's just good at conveying a feeling, emotion. And I think with all three of those reviews, they were, they were able to convey that, that, uh, you know, that, I don't know, that infectious joy of playing yeah. that game that, you know, I don't think yeah. I've ever, I don't think I've even remotely reproached it, even on e- any of my reviews. So, yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's fair. I I think of uh you know I actually think and this this would be very controversial, but I I think of the Rich George uh Skyward Sword review, which I know everybody <laughs> looks down on now because when Skyward Sword came out, Rich gave it a ten and he had this glowing review of it, and then so many people ended up hating that game or just not liking it enough, not thinking it's one of the great Zelda games. Um, and I don't even know like I sometimes wonder if like in hindsight, uh, he would still stand like by, by that ten. score. Yeah. Yeah, um, I know that nobody else at IGN does. Like, they'll make fun of it on, like, GameScoop or whatever. When, like, Damon Hatfield on GameScoop, sometimes he'll do this thing where they go through all the tens that IGN has given. And whenever they mention that one, they're all like, oh, yeah, yeah, somebody <laughs> gave that game a 10 kind of thing. Um, but, you know, at the time, uh, there was a lot of excitement leading up to Skyward Sword. And I, a lot of people were, like, hyped for it. And the game came out, and I remember watching his review, and he had, like, he was just so happy with it. He, like, he really was. Like, at that point in time, before people started becoming more critical of the game, he uh, he said, or he, what he conveyed with his review was that Breath of, or not Breath of the, Skyward Sword. Sword was, like, the best Zelda game ever, basically, at that point. Mm. And that, I, I, I even remember that the headline, it was, like, Skyward Sword review, and then the, the headline under it, they yeah. always have, like, yeah, the, that little you know, text thing. Yeah. The blurb yeah. was, Ocarina of Time has met its match. Ooh, that's what it that's said. some fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, he ended up being the a little bit of an outlier. Actually, around that time, 
there were a few places that gave it high scores. There are a few places that gave it low scores and then anywhere in between. But uh, in the in the history of the game, I feel like we people look at it, at that review um, with him as him being an outlier. Um, but it was still cool. Like it was cool in the moment that he was that excited about it and that he was able to convey that. So in like his those points about like being infectious and you know conveying that feeling. Yes. Does that yeah, yeah. does that like work against you? So is that like almost like a counterpoint to my examples where it can go it can go oh. wrong? Where yeah. where being conveying your emotions over critique can go wrong. I have another. I have another interesting example of this. Alien Isolation, a game. It's almost like the opposite cycle. A game that is now loved mm. and a lot of people like and bring up as like one of their favorite horror games or whatever. Uh, when that game came out, Ryan McCaffrey reviewed it for IGN, and I'm pretty sure he gave it like a five, mm. like a five out of ten. He gave it like a really low. He was the, uh, he was on the lowest end as far as outliers go, uh, for that game and. It really, like, his criticism of it really stood with me. I, I never ended up never playing the game. I actually own it on the PS3, I think, now. Um, but his thing was that I, I remember that him talking about how um, he played the game on hard, um, but that the game recommended you play it on hard. So, like, when you turned it on, it was like, hey, uh, we designed this game to be played on hard. So if you want the designed experience or whatever, the ideal alien experience, you should play it on hard. And then he complained about how frustrating the game was. Uh, but not just as in, like, a lot of people called them out as in, like, oh, you shouldn't have played it on hard then or get good or whatever. Uh, but the thing he didn't like was that he didn't think that the times that he got killed or whatever, that it was fair. That it never felt like it was fair. It felt like it was random. Hmm. Like the alien would just randomly spawn behind you and kill you. Makes sense. Um, Which I think was that, true because they found out that it was like a, like a coding programming error on the AI or something like that that got fixed later on. And the then community. the other, and then the other thing was that um, he talked about how the game overstayed its welcome because he wanted like he felt like ready to be done with the game by like the ten hour mark, but then the game ran for another ten hours and oh. it was like a twenty hour game or something. So, uh, and and that stood out with me, and I know that he got a lot of flack for that review because he was very critical on it. And I think it's cool to bring this up because a great review does not necessarily need to be a positive review. It could also be a great critical review that's that is also valuable information right now like he wasn't hating on it but he was critical of the things that he thought the game did wrong um and then he ended up being an outlier on the negative uh side um so yeah that's um anyway that's it that's (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's interesting like i just wanted to throw this out there like side tangent like where last year's like episode around this time last year was like a conversational topic about anything but video games and i like how we we took the time to talk, have our conversational topic about video games <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so and that's cool though we hit a lot of interesting topics that we would normally not have at the time to uh, to talk about in a regular show yeah we definitely indulged um, a lot yeah lewis i i think we're uh i think we're good to go here do yeah you, uh, do you want to talk about anything else it feels like it was winding down but uh yeah let me let me just uh uh pull this up here real quick because you have a link in this doc here about <laughs> about rats playing doom on twitch here so you know what i'm gonna throw it up on screen here just because and uh i'll let you say what you will because i have no idea like this is my first time pulling up this headline and okay. i figure we could just do like a little quickie on this one because this doesn't look like so, uh we're gonna have like much to say about it for like 10 minutes or whatever I, I i don't know much about it actually but i just saw this headline and i was like this seems interesting the headline is a scientist who taught rats how to play doom 2 wants to stream it on twitch and then you can see in this photo like this uh this rat is on top of like a ball and 
there's like something going on here. Um, Victor thought built a VR setup for rodents and taught three rats how to play the game by training them to walk down a corridor in the game without any assistance. Holy crap. Uh, so he's so he's basically tricking these rats into thinking that they actually live within the world of doom uh and there's like this device you know connected to it and stuff and um it's just it's just kind of interesting like it's one of those things where um i don't know just kind of shows that animals are sometimes more intelligent than than you think than you think they are but they're also they also might just be conditioned to do what he wanted them to do right they might not even really understand uh what they're doing I'm playing the video yeah, right now. By I'm playing the, way. the video too on screen, by the way. And they have this really elaborate contraption here. And uh, yeah. And because they're like the rat is walking on the, the the ball, the ball is then like conveying that motion to the the rat kind of thing. And it's so interesting. Like wow. And I guess they're doing some like Pavlovian conditioning here, where they're giving it a treat and stuff like that as it walks. Like congratulations, you did you did the thing. Here's a treat. You know that kind of stuff. So ah, interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, but not so, a whole lot to say about that. I mean, like that's it's more of a bit of a check this out than I would say <laughs> yes. anything here. So it's so. a or, or or special New Year's Eve check this out and uh, yay science doing <laughs> weird weird things. Um, All right. Do you want to play our sound effect, Louis, or should I just wrap it up? I'll play the sound effect here. I got the phone. I got the phone queued up here. All, All right. right, let's do it. It is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. We'll see you next week. I'm on Twitter at the Dan Lima and Lewis. At Chocolaka88. That's right. See you next time. Bye bye. Peace.